This is Behind the Exploratory Lenses, episode number 8, where I'll be focusing on the junior counselor years from 2013 to 2015 and my tenure at Mount Triumph at the CISPIS Learning Center. But before we discuss all of that, we got some racing stuff to discuss. Formula 1 is back and better than ever. The Indianapolis crossover. And, of course, we gotta talk about music because it's not been a good start to the week. Yet, we still have something familiar in number 1. First things first... To find me on social media is, of course, on Facebook, Behind the Exploratory Lenses, Instagram, Luis D. Torres 94 L-U-I-S-D, as in David, T-O-R-R-E-S-9-4, Twitter, at the LT Files, where you'll find my latest articles from Motorsports Tribune, and if lucky at all, any new content, especially this podcast where I'll be sharing stuff then and there. And as far as where you can listen to this platform, wherever you are, Apple, Google, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. First thing, sports, we want to start a little bit of a somber's note. It's due to the fact that we lost two musicians that have an impact on my years as a human being. You have one of the few country artists I don't mind that did Devil Went Down in Georgia and Stroke Race to name a few, and also a song about Dale Earnhardt. We're talking about the late Charlie Daniels who passed away on Monday. Hours before his passing, we also lost Ennio Morricone. Obviously, he'd done all the spaghetti western flicks with Sergio Leone's, like the good, bad, and ugly. You obviously had the ecstasy of gold, the trio. And also, there's this one clip where you'll find a Tobey Maguire screen test. I literally watched this Tobey Maguire screen test on Sunday, where they had one of his records playing while Maguire was doing some ass-kicking, Bruce Lee-esque style of fighting. Man, and as a matter of fact... I played the Ecstasy of Gold a couple times in my old radio show at KUYFM Musk 89.3, where I played the Ecstasy of Gold. In fact, the Ecstasy of Gold was one of the last few songs I ever played in my tenure at Idaho. Obviously, Monday morning was not ideal, and then when you have everything that's going on involving Bubba Wallace once more, it just adds more to the gloom that's already been a gloomy year to begin with. I will not discuss about that subject matter because I've got it's gotten to the point where I'm going to stick to my no political no drama rule that I've established in my radio show and my social media. So from this point forward, I'll hear about it, but I will definitely not discuss it. Depends on who I have as a guest. Then obviously those could be lifted up a bit, depending on the subject matter. And as far as the number one song, it's still Rockstar, but you still have a couple more. Who the hell are these artists out there? It's still a weird top 10. The fact that we're in 2020 and Lil Wayne is number two on the charts is baffling to me. And then you also have another song with Justin Bieber featuring Quavo from the Migos. I have a bad feeling we're going to have more Hot Potato or the song quality that tops the chart. It's going to be worse. It's not a good time to be a mainstream music follower to say the least. And one of these days. As a matter of fact, let me make this. I'm going to get this thing out of the way. You want me to talk about music that I can rant about? Let's talk about Ron and Rob by Rat. In my opinion, the most overrated metal song. One of the most overrated 80 songs of all time. I don't get the appeal. I don't see why VH1 were so head over heels of including it twice on certain countdowns. I don't get it. It's garbage. It's it's not good. Uh, give me Cinderella. Give me Motley Crue. Yes, there is indeed a metal group called Cinderella. Give me those artists. At least they know how to make something in quality. And they were able to branch out instead of just being whatever that record is. And the fact that they're still playing it on the NBC portion of the NASCAR coverage on, with the stupid Geico ads. I cannot stand it. Another thing I cannot stand is the ASMR Coke ad. Here's the thing about ASMR. If it's not X-rated... <laughs> off my face I do not care about it and I don't want to hear it on a commercial because 2020 commercials are one of the worst I've ever seen it's cringe and all of them are garbage you also have another Geico ad that shows a stock car but you don't even show the 13 I don't know Ty Dillon drives the 13 Geico car it's have Geico wrapped all over the Chevrolet why not show the Geico number 13 instead of some garbage corny hokey nut generic lame ass plain ass dull ass Trash ass, 82 car with a horrible number font. Yes, I am very nitpicky when it comes to the number fonts. In fact, one of the main reasons why my YouTube channel fell in the piece. It is a nightmare how ads have become. Nightmare. Next and I discuss how much I cannot stand YouTube ads, especially the subject matter. I have to keep 
putting irrelevant, repetitive, inappropriate, irrelevant, inappropriate. 20 times over, so I not see those garbage ads that has nothing to do with my intrigues, none of my taste, and vice versa. And I'm going to make this very clear. Jump by Van Halen is not my favorite Van Halen song. It's not even the best song from 1984. It's nowhere near my top three favorite songs from 1984. Those are Panama, Hot for Teacher, and Top Jimmy. We're talking about the album 1984. And then you have Rihanna. The only Rihanna I'll ever tolerate is the red Rihanna. That's the only one I can tolerate. And as far as Jefferson, the only incarnation of Jefferson I don't mind at all. And actually, the only good Jefferson is Jefferson Airplane. Starship, pilots, whatever. Of my face, period. We built this city? Skip. As a matter of fact, I have a compilation disc of 80 songs that had Need You Tonight, Rock This Town, and then you have We Built This City, it was like, ah, skip. Who wants to hear that garbage? And nothing's gonna stop us now. Forget about it. So yeah, see, my music days are all over the place. So we're done talking about music for the time being. IndyCar. Scott Dixon is now 2-0, becoming the first ever driver since Will Power in 2010 to start off the IndyCar Series season with a 2-0 record, he won the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course, known as the GMR Grand Prix, beating Graham Rahal. And rounding out the podium was Simon Passionel, who had to work his way from the 20th starting position to make that possible. Renas VK got 5th after a horrible debut at Texas. He bounced back really well. The strategy panned out for him, and he brought home his first ever top 5 in just a second start. While his rookie rival, Oliver Askew, backed it into the turn 14 while he finished last in 26. It was your typical Grand Prix race for the IndyCar Series. There's nothing special to it. Graham Rahal trying to make the two-stop strategy work, but Scott Dixon is Scott Dixon. When you have him, Mike Hall, and Michael Cannon all together, you're talking about an unbeatable trio right now in this IndyCar campaign. We'll see how the next four races in a span of two weeks go for them. If they continue to deliver... We're looking at a six-time champion soon. But, yes, Road America is a doubleheader this weekend. And also, the following weekend at Iowa Speedway. Before, we have two races in August, and that is at Mid-Ohio. And, of course, the 104th running of the Indianapolis 500 that I just certainly hope media folks can be allowed at a certain amount. I really don't know if I'm going to talk about it next week, considering there's nothing I've heard back from Road America, and I doubt a few days from now. I'll even get one. So that is the warning because that's how I feel about it. Because if you're going to allow crowds, allow key people or inform the folks, can we or can we not? It's a two-way street. Do not put us in a dire straight situation where you got to save your sorry-ass career like myself. I have to now till August. Keep yourself alive and probably less insane. I'm done discussing about that, but I will discuss about Formula One. Formula One, I tell you what. How I have missed Formula 1 so much. I missed it too much. And boy, that season opener at the Austrian Grand Prix delivered. It was chaotic. I am still not happy the fact that Sergio Perez blew a shot at a podium for a speeding penalty. Yes, in Formula 1, there are speeding penalties. You get a five-second at it. Lewis Hamilton kind of looked like a dingus out there after punting Alexander Albon out of the way. So another shot for Albon to get a podium in Formula 1 diminished late in the going. Charles Leclerc and Ferrari, Sebastian Vettel, both of them did not go. For much of the race, Vettel was not good at all. He had a horrible... Horrible outing. He did finish 10th to get the last point. But that is not a good sign for Vettel who is still looking for a ride in 2021. This is not a good look for him. And Ferrari said they were going to be behind the eight ball. Oh boy, they were behind the eight ball. Leclerc did finish second in this race. But for much of it, he was just non-factor. So all things considered, probably a win for Ferrari. But they got a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. Perez finished 6th. Should have been a podium. Had Mercedes had those problems with the Kurds that bit him in the dust, we would be talking about Paris either a podium or finally being a winner after a nearly a decade-long F1 career for him. We'll see how Paris does at the Styrian Grand Prix held at the same location in Austria this Sunday. I don't know how they're going to top that one. It was chaotic. And in case you're wondering, Valtteri Bottas of Mercedes won. Lewis Hamilton ended up fourth due to that incident with Albon. He crossed the line in second by a few tenths. But for him to hang on to that podium with the 5 second penalty in mind, that didn't work out because Lando Norris of McLaren not only equaled 
the fastest lap from Max Verstappen a year ago. He got the point with it. He finished third. We're talking about McLaren having two podiums in the last five races. Compared to a couple years ago, McLaren were one of the worst. They were probably the worst team when it comes to reliability. And some were deep down inside. Fernando Alonso is enduring pain knowing that McLaren are actually doing well with those Renault engines. Only for them to go to Mercedes in 2021. With Norris and Daniel Ricciardo on that team. While Carlos Sainz who finished 5th is going to Ferrari. Lewis Hamilton is probably going to still be the man to beat. We'll see. But a good start for Bottas. He's also trying to save his career. Because who knows if that Mercedes ride is going to be retained. Or we see a George Russell. Who's still yet to get his first Formula 1 point. He was right on the cusp being a couple positions away. But he got bitten with problems. And brought out the safety car. One of three that were brought out. Those two safety cars in a short amount of time. Help Mercedes. As the good old Murray Walker once said, anything can happen in Formula 1, and it usually does. And Sunday was a prime example of it. And now we're going to talk about NASCAR at the Brickyard. Chase Briscoe won the chaotic pencil of 150 at the road course for his 5th series win in 13 races. And then, of course, you have the Brickyard 400. I refuse to call it by the full name because I do not support the country label. Backing it, I do not support Florida Georgia Line. And back in high school and early college, I hated this group. I cannot stand that group. They were everything that I hate about country music today. Everything about country today goes to those yahoos. That's why I do not like it. Anyways, the Brickyard 400. That was a chore to watch. It was. Not only Jimmy Johnson had tested positive with, with COVID. That you had Justin Allgaier fill in. You also had a horrific pit road incident. Six cars fell out of the race. A total of nine cars were involved. They're all bunched up, including Allgaier and Martin Truex. You had Brendan Poole try to avoid Allgaier. Instead, he pinched Ryan Blaney's right tire changer, Sack Price, at 34 years old. And that brought out the red flag. It brought out the 13th red flag of the season. The 12th, not counting the Bush Clash, because the Bush Clash is an exhibition race. We've equaled last year's mark already. We're not even halfway to the season, and we already have 13 red flags. What made me more angry is just because of what happened on pit road that it, that injured a crew member. Fortunately, he gave the thumbs up. He smiled. Some cuts. He crawled out of the out of harm's way. What made me very upset about this is that. We could have had another Mike Rich moment. Where in uh, 1990 at the finale at Atlanta, Ricky Rudd spun, pinched Mike Rich, who was changing the right side of Bill Elliott's car, and it killed him. With the red flag, I was already annoyed at the fact that the race started at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 o'clock Eastern, added by an hour delay due to lightning. I was just over it. I'm basically over with this NASCAR season. I just wanted to be 2021 and finally get back to some sort of normalcy where I can cover stuff and actually enjoy covering it with everything on and off the track. I'm just basically to the point I'm over. So that didn't help. Kevin Harvick ended up winning his third Brickyard 400, the fourth win of 2020 and the 53rd of his career. After Denny Hamlin cut a tire, plowed the turn wall in violent form with seven laps remaining in regular distance. I hate to say it, I, I would not be awfully surprised if that is the turning point of Hamlin's career and his season. And I'm saying this because look what happened to Jimmy Johnson at Pocono 2017. He hasn't won since. Because his last win to date is in Dover back in spring 2017. It's been a long time now. But it's off to Kentucky. You have two Xfinity races Thursday and Friday. You have the truck series on Saturday. And then you have the cup race on Sunday afternoon. 2 p.m. Eastern time. So fortunately it's before noon. I just hope. There's no weather problems, so then I can feel a little bit more content covering the Cup Series this year. Let's shift from a rather somberous and gloomy subject matter to a more uplifting and more learningful one. Let's talk about Montreal right now. What you're about to hear is raw and completely unedited because I feel like in this particular subject matter, I do not want to edit the audio because I want you to hear it from the bottom of my heart. Because when it comes to audio and editing, I take that very serious. Where I have to eliminate filler and long gaps and all the stuttering because I do tend to stutter quite a lot. So this one, you're going to hear it in its pure form. So I hope you guys understand. But hey, let's get on with part number two of talking about Montreal. Last episode, I talked about my delegate years from 2010 to 2011. And there's one thing I forgot to mention. It is definitely living in bunk. And Dogwood too in those two years. Those were some interesting memories for sure because everything was about 
D1, A1, blah, blah, blah. It was kind of funny in a way where people are trying to make their bunk better than the other cabin. In this case, their cabin better. For me, it was rather I was indifferent. It wasn't much big of a deal. Especially when I became a junior counselor from 2013 to 2015, the three years you're allowed. I said to myself that being in that bigger role... I wanted to make it a little bit more different. I was more open and willing to accept to understand how certain people were. Because I had to adapt from different types of cabins every single year. The one takeaway of one of those was definitely my second or third year. I can't remember which one it was at the very moment at the top of my head. Where we have to introduce ourselves. It was an icebreaker where we had to... Remember every person's name in a specific order. And there's this one guy that said Brock Lesnar guy. I had a great chuckle because he did not really look like Brock Lesnar. I think it was just the structure and size. He was perceived to be one, but no, no. Lol is a great guy. That's the guy's name. That that's the Brock. People say the Brock Lesnar guy. Lol is a great guy. He he studied at Eastern Washington and. And what have you. He's a good good person at all. Happy that he got engaged with his longtime girlfriend who was part of the cheer team and all. So shout out to you if you ever bothered to listen to this. But yeah, I wanted to talk about the cabin bit a little bit in that regard. But this is a re-record. I recorded one that was a little bit too long for my liking. And also I was all over the place where I would jump in to talk about one year over the other. Rather than what I did in the last episode, focus on one year before shifting to the next. So, in this one, I'm going to discuss an overall landscape of my junior counselor years, bit by bit. Because I do not want, when I talk, I don't want it to be too long. When there's guests, it's going to be long because I want to give the guests a lengthier platform. I want this show to be more of a them. Sure, I'll bring in some stories then and there, how I felt about it, like right now. But I don't want it to be a long episode just about myself, you know? So I decided to do it again and give you something better. So let's talk about what led to me to become a junior counselor. So in 2012, I didn't go through a third year as a delegate. Because my parents had already planned this California getaway vacation with San Jose, Santa Ana, Santa Maria, and then Los Angeles for a bit, Lompoc. We went through everywhere in the Bay Area and also in Southern California. And that summer was one of the main reasons why I wanted to go back ever since then. Fortunately, I was able to go to Southern California last spring. Really enjoyed it. Hopefully when this pandemic is done, we find some sort of cure and the numbers stop spiking. Maybe I'll give it a go and come back another time and explore some more. Because I really enjoyed that area. Sure, some people are not that great. They have that stereotype. But as long as I visit certain those places, certain places, and enjoy, that's all that matters. And that's one of the main themes that in my junior counselor year had matter and the why and vice versa. Because I felt like the delegates that I had, whereas the first year was Graham Kapowskin, the second year was Union, and the third year Rogers and Kennedy, they mattered. They were the ones that mattered most. And I try to understand their purpose of why they're here. And I wondered the same thing if I was in their shoes. And like I was in 2010 and 2011. I was trying to figure out why am I here? What's the purpose of being here? And I certainly did learn that in those years. So I decided I wanted to try something different. And while I didn't went to 2012, I still wanted to be a junior counselor in some capacity. Well, there's really no some capacity. I just wanted to be involved, period. And make a difference in a larger scale. I want them to have the similar experience. Like I had those two years. Where they enjoy it. And they fall in love with the CISPIS Learning Center. Specifically the Mount Triumph Leadership Camp. So I saved the email. That was on a Facebook group. Of the 2011. I emailed it. And asked if that if the email still works. So I can get an application. To, to be a junior counselor in 2013. And fortunately it did. I applied. I got the letter of recommendation. I also, one thing that stood out was the true colors test. My delegate years, I didn't really saw much of it. It wasn't one of my more larger takeaways. But I did knew that I was a blue and a gold. I was primarily blue. I claim myself to be gold because 
being heavily involved in high school since 2010, and even after my final year as a delegate in 2011, I was heavily involved with his yearbook, the Eco Marathon, FBLA, you name it, I was doing those. Basketball, filming, didn't play basketball, I filmed basketball, to make it very blunt. And I always knew I was blue or gold, but if you tell one of my closest friends that later became a senior counselor, she'll tell you I was a blue. No matter how many times I will say I was blue and a gold, she will tell me I am a blue, period. There are also two other colors. You have green and an orange. And the one that I struggle identifying and relating to as far as who they are and trying to figure out why they are the way they are, it's definitely the green. I still struggle with it years later. I'm still trying to comprehend why they are as such. But when it comes to orange, it's pretty straightforward. Every now and then I'll have my orange tendencies depending when I got so many stuff to do. All of us have different characteristics of different types of colors. Just mine was blue and gold. Period. Over time, I think right now, I'm more of a green-blue. The gold aspect is pretty much long gone. I kind of dropped the stick because after graduating from the University of Idaho, in which I did try a true color set on my fellow Argonaut editors, there were 15 of them, and I think about two-thirds of it actually took it seriously and actually replied back. There's some that I just instantly knew they were either going to be green-gold or green. And a couple of them work as such. Period. And that's quite fascinating how true colors work that way. And to this very day, and that phrase that I just said will cause an instant jump scare. Because when it comes to those horror stories and day four, which you cannot say if you saw it once, you cannot tell anybody that man not been there before. You have to stay silent and probably get a good refresher how it went. But you have to stay silent. And that's what's the fun part of it. I, I didn't want to tell them anything about it. I just want the other folks to enjoy it and make it that jump scare once they say into this day. Period. I did. That, I thought it was clever how every year I would re- remember some parts and forget a lot of it. But once I remember, I remember it. That's kind of this stuff like that comes to the top of my head, and I'm thinking, this is some brilliant stuff. It's kind of fun in a way. So, back to 2013. I did got the junior council role in March. And I was only the second student to have ever... That came from a Granite Falls High School that became a junior counselor. I was only the second. But, what was it? I think not that long after my high school went to another camp. So, more than likely, I'll end up being only the second ever, probably the last from Granite Falls High School to become a junior counselor at Mount Tryon. There was one more, and I mentioned this already. She's now a current senior counselor. She was part of the core team in 15. She applied for a junior counselor in 2014, but that didn't pan out. But still, ultimately, she ended up being part of the CISPIS Magic and the Mount Tryon family to this very day. So, let's go jump into 2013. I was basically a fish in a in a big pond because many of them were around in 2012. I wasn't, so they had the instant bond and instant connection. I think out of the 22, I only knew about four of them, maybe five. Two of them were actually my junior counselors when I was a delegate. Fortunately enough, my first year as a junior counselor, I had two of them. From one for 2010 and one for 2011 in their last. Because one of them didn't go one of the years. I think it was 2011. I think it was 2011 or 2012. I can't remember. It was an internship she got. And so she didn't go one year. So ultimately it ended up being such where the two junior counselors that I had as a delegate were actually were now pretty much my teammates. Because I view every junior counselor as a teammate, but more importantly, a brother and a sister in many regards. And while it was a rough first year for all of us, group-wise, and it ultimately got better over time, as far as the as the years went on with different groups of people that became my teammates and part of the family, something I wish I could honestly say about the ARC folks, I cannot because that's just how I looking at it. I was like, we were not a family, no matter how I felt in May 2017 to where I am right now in July 2020 in hindsight and reflection point of view. But it was not the easiest first year because I had a senior counselor that I had a real hard time 
having a team chemistry and understand who he is. He that's sometimes you have goal people that are such that you just you gotta have a hard time relating with. Fortunately, in my final year, I had another gold senior counselor that actually I worked real well and bonded the moment once we had a game plan going. Second year, it, it was probably my year that I pretty much had a little bit more control as far as where I was more on the creative side to say the least whereas my final year it was about 50-50 as much as possible and the first year it was not as such but finally when we had that discussion to know to tell him who I am and where I come from especially on the autism side of things and the adversity that I've had it got better it got better but it was my second year where I feel like I flourished. And once I realized the stuff that I want to implement does work. It could work. And so what I did is pull up some quotes from Ayrton Senna, Mark Twain. I even have one that I will share right now. Quote, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things that you didn't do than by the ones you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, catch the trade winds in your sails. Explore, dream, discover. End quote. And that f- quote I still have in my room. That's why I had to grab it. And it was from my senior tea party. I think that's what they call it. I can't remember if that is what they call it. I know it was different from scholarship night. Where we just sat down, had coffee and whatnot, and have a couple staff members talk about the 2013 group. We just went to have the family together, dress nice. I think that's what it was called, teen night or whatever. I can't remember. If someone ever listens to this, remind me what it was called. That would be highly appreciated. But yeah, I had stuff like that hanging on the wall. And actually, people didn't know. The union kids which was all but one of them female. And I did talk to Mason, the only guy in that in my group. He was okay with it. I wanted to make because that's the thing. If I noticed something, a trend, or something that I feel like I needed to step in when it comes to certain subject matters, I want to know if they were okay and comfortable and what could I do to make it more welcoming. He didn't mind one bit. He, he's kind of used to it to start off, especially when he has multiple sisters in the, in the household. So... Once I knew that, once I knew certain things, then I understood it and made sure to respect it. Because obviously you got to respect their situation. you got to make it a safe place. Don't make it awkward. Don't make it uncomfortable. And sometimes we, people, sometimes we all go through that. It's just natural. Sometimes. Eventually you're going to have to control it and manage it well so it doesn't become more of bad of a problem. Of worse of a problem. But yeah, that second year, I felt like I grew up a little bit more. And, and the only thing I would say, it was not in the greatest time period of my life, considering the tail end of my freshman year at Idaho wasn't all that great, especially with my personal life that I, I don't know if I'll ever discuss it regarding a family-related issue back in 2014 that ultimately made me move from my old hometown in high school to where I am right now since. In planning on one day maybe moving out so I can actually grow even more. Now doing this media thing covering NASCAR, IndyCar, and Formula 1 then and there. But right now, at that time period, I felt like I reached my pinnacle when it comes to helping and serving others. Because I realized how much they admired me and they appreciated what I was able to do, what Stu and I did. We had tremendous chemistry, no doubt about it. And it was his final year as well. So knowing we both delivered, I thought that was the biggest accomplishment. But also not just that. And as far as my teammates is concerned, and also not to back off on certain things, just try to be reasonable, try to just chime in when necessary instead of chiming in every single time because that was my big problem my first year I chimed in about just about everything I had to opinionate about everything just to give my voice heard that time around I was more concerned of having everyone have a piece in the microphone I don't know why because I felt like they should 
it tests them a little bit to step out of their comfort zone because for me, microphones was never an issue. It hadn't been an issue since I said my speech in 2011 when it, with the autism and religion and all that stuff. So that was not my problem anymore. I was okay with it. I even did impersonations for crying out loud before I decided to hang it up after a couple bad comedic sketches at Idaho that I realized, yeah, this wrestling thing is not going to work. So I decided to just retire from it. The dancing side, I also said I retired. Ultimately, I did some dance courses to the fact that my my teacher senior year also graduated with me, no less. He was a student teacher, so there, that explains quite a lot. But that's a different subject for another time. So I wanted to be more equal with them in some aspects. So I was thinking, who hadn't had an opportunity to speak? Who hadn't had an opportunity to talk to the mic? So I knew from that point, I, re- I can see stuff where I feel like... They haven't shined yet. I want to challenge them. And that was definitely the case in my third and final year when I had Kennedy and Ross. Not just because I had two different schools in one group, but I wanted something to challenge it because it looked like it made it a little bit more, they made it easy. They made it too easy. So I decided, you know, how about this? I knew this this, this, this initiative where you have to, you have a rope, you have to make it into a shape with your eyes closed and only one person leaning it. And then once I realized, man, they're doing it way too easy to my liking. I think I said it, it had to be get it done in about two to five minutes, somewhere around that range. Then I just said, oh, wait a minute. How about this? I'm going to call an audible. I'm going to say, change it up. I see what was it? A circle? And I decided to make it a triangle or a trapezoid. I, could, I can't remember. I couldn't pinpoint it. Maybe if I look back at my pictures, I would tell it. But I was more focused on what they're doing instead of doing the photo thing. So I did, and once we finished the initiative, the responses were pretty simple that they understood the Audible and they understood that it was going to be a challenge because we all go through Audibles in high school. Certain things happen where you don't expect it and then you are got to be pressured, but they did it just fine, but they acknowledged the fact that the Audible had to change things up where it was a tad bit difficult. But it was a warranted challenge, and I knew that they needed a challenge. So I can see from afar how team work, and that's what I learned from my my tenure as a junior counselor: the importance of teamwork. Because if it's too easy, you got to be challenged. Otherwise, for some, it may just be too boring. It may be too predictable. So I wanted to do try something unpredictable, and it unfortunately it worked out for them, and they learned. A lot. And I felt like stuff like that is what made me real happy working with groups. And and at that point, I realized that maybe I should have pursued some sort of speech or leadership role instead of trying to survive in 2020 to have a media career in NASCAR or IndyCar. But it's got to be genuine and authentic, can be unreasonable, kind of like my final year where I was struggling with the idea of whether or not I want to transfer to Houston over Idaho. Because I had, because in my final year, I going into it, I was supposed to be, it was supposed to be very satisfying that I had no issues, I don't have to worry about transportation, I don't have to worry about getting along with Everyone or having one or two people trying to work on trying to get along. I was content. I was satisfied. But there could have been there could have been one more thing that would have made it much better. Because that's the thing about my the first two years and why I'm moving to where I am right now was vital. I was in an isolated area. I was too far from Seattle, but and also too far from Bellingham. I was in a lost island. It's not literally one. It's literally not an island, but you get my point. It was too far from everyone. Then when I moved a little bit more closer to Seattle, it made it a little bit more easier to figure out transportation and logistics. Unfortunately, in my final year, I didn't have to worry about that at all. The only thing I had to worry about how how my year at Idaho, my sophomore year, was going to detriment me, because that was the problem that I had. It was an absolute detriment because I let my sophomore year be that bad. So angry that I even had a letter from this particular elitist group that one one of my advisors pretty much 
implies that they're idiots for not recognizing what I would bring to the table. And looking back on it, it's like, yeah, I do not know why I bothered to apply. But at the same time, that as that particular low point ultimately made me think. I had to do some critical thinking to where this particular elitist group not only called me to inform me that I got rejected by being in that group, but a couple days later, I got a letter by the, by saying the same thing. It was a double insult, a double reminder, and I do not like double reminders. So rather than just hucking it, throwing it away, or in the garbage, I decided to keep it because I said, I'm going to bring this to Sisyphus. I'm going to bring this to, down there. And if I decide to burn it, that's my symbol saying, I'm not going to let these yahoos stop me or defy me because I'm not a part of their cult. So, the question was, I knew that deep in the back of my mind, I said, I'm going to go to Sisyphus, the happiest places on earth, the where I feel my true genuine self. I'm going to let those couple days make me think inside from afar if Idaho is worth staying or go to Houston may be the better choice. And as and stuff like the Audible and understanding a couple people that were going to CISPIS for the second time that they're hoping for a much better experience because unfortunately one of my one of my bedmates from the cabin had a Rogers the year before. So I got a couple of insights on who a couple of those people are that went the year before. They did not have the greatest experience the first time. So I want to make sure the second time is a little bit better, but also understand why they are and why they feel that way. And then after a while, I realized why they felt that way. So I decided to make sure to help them out and understand them respect in a respectable manner. And once I realized that, it dawned on me that I was probably going to Houston. Cause I already was accepted to Houston. All I had to do is just give the confirmation that I'm transferring to to the university. But then I realized I was going there for the absolute wrong reason. Why am I going to go to Houston? What, to get away from the drama? Uh, fail to finish what I started? Start all over again? That did not sound appealing to me. And I knew it was going to make me more insane than I should have been. So, by night five, before the bonfire, I decided, you know, it's time to burn the letter. I burned the letter, and I said to myself, that day on, I got unfinished business. I'm going to finish what I started in Idaho, and I did. I graduated a semester early. Do I regret being done a semester early, considering what's happening right now? In a way, I do. But I finished the task. And I think the most important thing is that I finished what I started. What I promised myself to do. After I burnt that elitist letter. And I did. I have no regard for that Idaho group. I don't even think about it much. I'm just discussing it. Because that was part of my tenure as a junior counselor to reflect. So I did that. And then the final day. Not very final day. As a junior counselor. I knew... This was it. This was my final day at CISPIS for probably ever. To Yeah, someday I really, really want to do a documentary or a film or video or, or do even do photography of CISPIS in 2021 or whenever that might be. I want to do that because I feel like there's still some stuff I want to capture so I can show anybody else that looks at this and realize, hey, now I get why this guy says all this stuff about this and why he enjoys it, why he is the way he is, because for the better. Because this place has some magic, it has some value, and I really want to do that one day. I don't ask for it because that sounds a bit too needy, but deep down inside, I feel like there's still some unfinished business for me down there that I wanted to show at a larger scale why this place matters. Telling you this... <laughs> It, 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 it's not enough, I feel like. you got you got to see it to understand it. You have to be there and live it to know why Sisyphus Magic is a thing and why this place holds dear value that I'm talking about it in two separate episodes. So on that final day, I knew I had a speech, a closing speech, because the third of year JC's, depending how many of there are, they got they can close. They close the day. So I I forget. 
I wanted. Uh... Yeah, now I remember. We us final year JCs. We sat down in a group before sis, the Triumph kids came along. The who was gonna do what day? And I think I said to myself, "What day you guys feel like I should be?" And the consensus was that day six, because by that point everybody likes me. By that point, it's like, yeah, I don't know about everybody likes me. I sell myself short in that regard because I feel like a mini says I don't feel that way. But the way one of them did is like, okay, I'll do day six. I had no problem doing day six. It just puts me in the spot where I'm like, okay. I had to come up with something to wrap it up because of what that place meant to me and what I want them to think about when they hit that bus one last time after the serpentine, after hearing Never Alone one last time and also If You're Out There by John Legend. And at that point on, I realized that there's more to music than just what you hear from a sound. There's got to be some structure and lyrics. That made me be more open and respect John Legend as an artist with that song and also the cover of True Colors. That was more... Over time, I realized these songs have powerful meaning. And that's what I look for in a song. So you want to have some fun and some reality, but also some inspiration. So, at the very end of this episode, you're going to hear my final year speech from 2015. And that's going to be my outro for you guys. But once everybody left, the emotions ran wild, and I knew this was over. It was my goodbye, even though I don't want it to be a goodbye. I don't like saying a goodbye, because that's why I say until we meet again. Because as Marty Reed once said in 2011, goodbyes are too final. It is. But I did bid farewell to Sismas. And I said to Mike, how I want to bid farewell the right way when nobody was around. All the kids are going back home. They are on their buses. Editing themselves on Facebook, probably taking a nap, reflecting what James's poster says, because every final day he'll have something different as a sign. You have to tell him, I don't, it doesn't do it justice to me telling you what he had on those boards. <laughs> you have to tell him, I'm not going to lie with you. But once all of that happened, I also realized that listening towards others was very important. I struggled the first two years in that regard, understanding their background. By that point, I realized listening to others and listening to what other people are saying is essential. And I look for that. And when it comes to my guests, I want to make sure I'm listening to them. Let them say what they have to say, not interrupt constantly. And and I hope with those previous episodes you understood how I do things. Because that's part of the thing I wanted to grow more on. I wanted to improve. I was listening. And I felt like I'm done a lot better. There's always room for improvement. But at that point I realized. I can make this work. I I have a hard time understanding and corresponding who they are. And then when I went to the Argonaut. Just some people are not willing to listen. And they got a long ways to go. I was open to listen what they are. And I would get frustrated with some of them because I said to myself, do you listen to what I just said? Do you even care what I just And this is one particular case where my editor-in-chief and the sports editor sat down and for about half an hour, the editor-in-chief understood. She listened. It helped that she was a psychologist trying to study in that field. The other one just did not. And that's unfortunate. It really is. But some people just take longer than others to understand other people. It's just, it's, or some people just are not willing to listen to others, and you'll have that. But once uh, everybody was gone, I wanted to do a new tradition because camps is about traditions. I wanted to try something. If anybody wants to adapt to it, they could. Nobody did, and that's okay. I wanted to kiss the, the sidewalk. There's a sidewalk. There's a cross path from Sismus Learning Center. You have the famous Sispis Road, as I like to call it. And then you have another area where you can go do some initiatives from afar or even take a hike. I decided to kiss that crosswalk with those white stripes down there. It's just good, like the brickyard. Speaking of Indianapolis, that's what the drivers do. They kiss the bricks after they win in Indianapolis. I wanted to do something like that. In my, it's my sign of till we meet again and farewell for now. And it was kind of silly, 
Because I wanted to do that. I even wanted to do that when I was in Granite Falls. But my senior year was very bit. I was very bitter senior year, at the end of my senior year that I didn't thought much of it. And then you go back to that Mark Twain quote that I wanted to do something where I said, okay, I'm not going to regret this. But if I don't kiss the road, I'm going to probably regret it over time. So fortunately, I did that. It was kind of silly. But that was my way of saying thank you for the service. Thank you for the memories that you and everything that you gave me that I still try to learn and adapt to this very day. And when it comes down to it, that's all that really matters is what you've learned and what makes you happy and where your go where your heart goes. And I still stand by it. Those five years that I had, two as a delegate, three as a junior counselor, are some of the most memorable things that I've ever done in my life. I have no regrets how everything unfolded. Because you gotta expect the unexpected. The first year I just had so many high expectations that it just hurt me. It hurt me a lot. And then once I decided to clear my mind and just let it let stuff unfold, it actually made me more better as a leader over time. Because you gotta let it unfold. You gotta expect the unexpected. Don't have this plan all the time that everything's gonna go exactly as such. And boy, 2020 was the quintessential year of just expect nothing, really. At this point, you got to expect nothing. And that's something i got to still work on. But I have that in my mind even then. So there you have it. So with that being said, I hope you enjoyed those two episodes where I talked about CISPAs. Of course, throughout the series, whoever I have that went there, we will discuss about it. <laughs> no doubt about it. But for now, until we meet again, Thank you guys, and just think and reflect, and also check out the Mount Triumph Leadership Camp on Facebook and Mount Triumph on Instagram because they do have a virtual camp going on right now, and I want you guys to reflect and understand the message and goals they're wanting you guys to think about, and I'm going to do the same thing from afar for sure. But to wrap up this episode, I want you to hear that very speech to close off 2015 in its entirety, and it will include my senior counselor from my final year, which one of the things I wanted to have in that last year is to have a female senior counselor. Because I never had one in my previous two years. There were guys. There were Nick A. and also Stu. And then the final year, I feel like I wanted to have a female senior counselor, but also one that I never had met personally or had an interaction with. So Travis paired me up with Amanda, and right away, and I did mention this, that we just connected real well, and it worked out phenomenally. So I want you to hear the introduction that she had for me as well. So catch you guys later, and I hope you enjoy this closure from five years ago. Okay, so... <laughs> um, so my counsel, Council L, which is awesome. Yeah! Coming up with this really fabulous list of things that we were going to say about Luis, like um, that he plays electric guitar in a rock band, and that uh, he's won two and a half surfing uh, championships. Um, but honestly, Luis really doesn't need um, to have any amazing things made up about him because he's pretty amazing as is. Um, I was fortunate enough to get to work with Luis this week, and um, for those of you that haven't met him, you're really missed out because he is just a phenomenal person. Um, he's had a lot of struggles in his life, and he is uh, going to tell you guys about them. Um, I got to listen to his closing yesterday, and I really think that you guys are going to um, get a lot out of it. So um, I'll let him come up here and talk to you. Uh,
Day six. Yeah. It feels like yesterday was day one. It kind of does. But it also feels like yesterday that I was in your shoes as a delegate back in 2010. At a time when I was the kid who talked to staff members and not locked with my fellow peers. Yeah, I was kind of shy, you know, but that's okay. Boy, has life changed since the first year as a delegate. And I would love to tell you all some word of reasoning on this final day. Yes, there's the manuscript. Obviously, I'm a broadcasting visual media major. I gotta practice. <laughs> all that, but. Alright. There comes a time when we all think about our lives, whether it's what college you want to go to, finding the one you want to spend the rest of your life with, or basically finding your true self. Everything has a purpose, which can be a blessing or a detriment. Sometimes we look at our detriments than our blessings, which is an issue that we should reflect our, upon in order to understand ourselves. Over the past week, you have been on a wonderful journey, learning to become an effective leader, understanding, understanding where people come from, or even trying new things that you would never, ever imagine of doing so back in day number one. One of the things that you shall always be aware of is embracing what you have from a positive point of view. People think they knew you, but they may have not seen the other sides of you. For years I've been afraid that people knew that I had Asperger's Syndrome, which is kind of like a highly form of autism, which I didn't really knew about until 7th grade. I kind of had it like in 97, I don't remember. My mom didn't tell me until I was in middle school in Grand Falls. That was a long time ago. Man, I'm old. <laughs> but it left me in a, in a huge hole in my life that I was different. I have battled personal demons for many years while, such as being neglected from other groups, dealing with people that say my writing doesn't make any sense, I make no sense, being in the bottom tier middle class with a father I can't really trust, while my brother was accused of a crime, I swear to the, up there if you believe in that, by the way, I don't know, but <laughs> since I know he never did it, he, he got trouble in a crime he never committed, which really destroyed our family in some essence. Also, through college, I wasn't allowed to give my opinion in my media class. And also, I've been at times accused of being a poor listener while having a huge ego. Because simply, people don't see me for who I am. And then it got me in trouble one time back in about March 9, 2012, simply because all I asked was forgiveness. I was kind of like, I was immature but also I wanted an honest opinion. Both that frustration I constantly dwelled on for, for months. Those demons were in my, I was in my system, and so much that I ended up in the hospital back in June 19, 2012, when I was helping a middle school eighth grade celebration. I had severe chest pains, and I kind of almost saw that would have been the end of me. The end was almost near. However, I survived that battle, only stayed there for the night, everything just seemed fine, I've never had any chest problems any, ever since. But the big question is, why? Why did this happen? Why all of this demons, the, all of this really happened? There's got to be a reason, right? Well, there was. A friend of mine named Megan, somewhere over here, right behind you, I don't know how to work I don't know how in the world how we made it through three years of high school working together from all that, but that's enough of that. She would tell me on a regular basis to let it go. Yes, yes, I know. It's cliche now because of the movie. <laughs> but she did it first, so. But of course, I tried and tried and tried, but I couldn't let my demons go. Looking back at it at the time, I hated it. I hated admitting it. But basically, that little, tiny advice basically kind of helped me to move on and kind of made me a better person. Still working on it because I still struggle with my frustrations every now and then, but I don't just dwell on it. I just kind of like, in the moment, then I gotta move on and do other things. I basically just see it as it happened for a reason. Everything happens with a reason for a reason. Now that I'm entering junior college, a lot has come and go. 
But I'm no longer afraid of what people think of me based on my battles. I don't let that get me much like I used to. I don't. I go. I no longer view autism as a form of detriment. I continue to prove the naysayers wrong. And personally, you guys, you have the power. You all have the power to prove the naysayers wrong and basically write your own story. Woo! Woo! Right. <laughs> um, but why is it important to value things no matter how insignificant it was? At this, it, it's like the negative just simply take away the positives. And if, if you let that define you, that could be a problem. But like I like high school is not easy. It's not really it's not easy at all. There will be challenges thrown in your path. And if there's one thing that high school can do for us, it's basically basically to see the values of us, the ability that we can see our values of what we've done over the four, past four years or in the near future, depending on where you stand right now. I want you all, this is kind of like my challenge. When you go, go on the bus, when you follow everybody on social media and all that, <laughs> I want you to take the time to look back at what you've done that you're proud of. Take the time to thank the people in your life for being there for you through thick and thin. But also take the time to make an attempt to write your thoughts and feelings because they make, make you realize who you are. I think writing is really important. That if you write your own thoughts, it could, it, you could see something special. Alright, you have learned why certain things are important, such as why are we here, why Maslow is important, why we have to, why do all, we learn to ourselves, like why do certain things happen, and so on and so forth. My Triumph Leadership Camp has been a huge part of my life. It's a beautiful place to learn those things, just like I've learned how to challenge myself to be a better man, and the importance of others over the past five and the last six years. Three years as a JC, two years as a delegate. Like James said, it's kind of difficult to bring it, but it'll be okay. I just really hope you learn something that will last a lifetime. But before I wrap it up, uh, <laughs> okay, I would love to send you off with a very, very important message. Life is a long and winding road we all go through. It leads us to an eventful life of unpredictability. Each road has its own story that is waiting for you to write it. Sometimes our hearts will lead us to one area, while another one will lead you to another route. But no matter what people think of it, it is you guys who call the shots. You guys call the shots of what road you're going to go based on your heart. Everything you make is a value. Everything you decide is from your heart. That's why each road has a valuable message, and you must embrace it. You gotta find those roads to embrace the moment. So, what are you gonna do? Why do decisions matter? It's simply a path that will lead you to another road where the process just begins again. It's just how life is. It serves you new opportunities to challenge yourself. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give credit to James because when I found one of his quotes on, on Facebook or Instagram, I don't know where I found it, somewhere in the social media world. But. <laughs> it's from a quote from Ashley Tyson, and I saw this fits very appropriately as the minutes wind down before we say farewell. Your journey has molded you for the greater good. And it was exactly what it needed to be. Don't think that you've lost time. It took each and every situation you have encountered to bring you to the now. And now is the right time. As Marjorie Reeves said in, in, in a, after Dan Weldon, race car driver, 185 twice, 05 and 11, the same year he won India in 2011 passed. Until we meet again because goodbyes are so final. Go where your heart desires. Never, ever, ever give up on what you believe in and keep pursuing your dreams. And I thank you all because it is place. It's always in the bottom of my heart. And you guys make it possible. I love you all so much. <laughs>